All right, all right. Man, everybody doing okay today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Great to see you. I know we told y'all that uh, I wasn't going to be preaching uh, in July, uh, but man, I love you guys so much. How am I supposed to stay away that long? I mean, man, that's just about impossible. Um, occasionally, something happens in church that requires um, that I talk with you about it and guide you through it. Today is one of those days. Uh, so I want to begin uh, by reading a letter to you from Ronnie Bullens, who is our uh, missions director. He also heads up our grief share ministry. He teaches several weekly Bible studies. Uh, these are Ronnie's words. Dear Osborne Baptist Church family, it is with deep sadness, shame, and regret that I write to inform you that I have sinned against God, against my family, against another family, and against you, my church family, by committing adultery. This is a sin that I very much hate, so please know it crushed my heart to find myself there. James 3.1 says, Teachers, leaders, will receive stricter judgment. Therefore, I will be resigning my ministry responsibilities here at OBC. I want you to please understand that this is not who I've been uh, in my ministry here, nor is it who I am, but it is clearly what I have done. I am so sorry for the pain and disappointment I have caused each of you. I have made things right with God. I have asked my family and many, many individuals here for forgiveness, and now I ask you to forgive me. Serving here at OBC has been the highlight of my life and my deepest desire. I am grateful to you for entrusting me with that wonderful opportunity, and I am so very sorry that my sinful actions have ruined it. I love you, OBC family. You are the greatest church body on the planet. Please, from the bottom of my heart, please know I love you, and please forgive me for what I have done. Ronnie Bullens. Like me, this breaks your heart. Ronnie Bullens is one of those guys that's so easy to love. Ronnie has a giant servant's heart and has served this church faithfully for many years, and he's helped so many people. This should remind all of us we all have a sin nature, therefore, we are all vulnerable to any kind of sin. So this morning, uh, I want to uh, talk about this uh, because it needs to be more than an announcement. This is a big deal. Look, I, I know you've come here this morning to worship Jesus, to be encouraged by his word, not to hear this. And it breaks my heart uh, to do it as much as it breaks yours to hear it, I assure you. But it's necessary and important that we, as the body of Christ, address this issue. So um, I've thought through it uh, this week, and, and I just want to share with you seven ways uh, the church should respond to a leader's moral failure. Here's the first one. Don't hide it. 
Some of you are probably thinking right now, uh, I mean, why are you saying this out loud in public to everybody? I mean, this is so personal. And the fact is, a lot of churches handle it that way. They just say, Bob is resigned, and uh, he'll no longer be on our church staff. End of story. But they leave people asking all kinds of questions and wondering all kinds of things. I believe it is the biblical response, and I believe it is the most helpful response not to hide it, to say it out loud so everybody can hear it and explain how it's best for us to respond to this. When a church leader has a moral failure, it's so important that the church doesn't try to hide it. You know why? It always comes out anyway. Numbers 32 verse 23 says, But if you fail to keep your word, then you have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. It does every time, zero exceptions. It's an old cliche, but it's true. Uh, whatever we try to cover, God uncovers. But whatever we uncover, God will cover. When we try to cover our sin, God uncovers it with harsh discipline. But when we uncover our sin, God covers it with his grace. So we're not going to hide it. Second way we need to respond to this is to trust the truth of God's word. Um, look, look, look what James said. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's Ronnie. Church leaders absolutely will be judged by greater strictness. The Bible is so clear. Look, church leaders are supposed to be commanded to be above reproach. We are to be examples to the church. For this reason, a church leader who has a moral failure cannot remain in their leadership role. It is so important. Therefore, Ronnie uh, will resign from the church staff and will no longer lead the ministry areas he was responsible for. Now, maybe you think that's too harsh. I mean, a lot of people have said that to me. Well, that, he's such, such a good guy. Can he keep... Well, let me ask you a question. What if, in a ministry area, Ronnie was teaching a class, and there happened to be in that class a person whose spouse had an affair, shredded their heart, ruined their lives. Do you think they would think it's too harsh for Ronnie not to lead them? Question. What if you were the husband of the wife Ronnie had an affair with? Do you think he thinks it's too harsh? Ministry leaders are held to a higher standard because they are called by God and trusted by people to lead them. When that trust is broken, God will absolutely forgive that church leader. But he must forfeit his right to lead the church. 
Look, if that church leader is not removed from leadership, the distrust will spread through the church like cancer. That's why we don't hide it. That's why we do exactly what the Bible says to do. Third way we need to respond. Love and restore the leader to a right relationship with God. You you know, when this happens in churches, when when a leader has a moral failure, churches tend to either underreact or overreact. Uh, Churches overreact by acting like uh, this person has committed the unforgivable sin and and they heap tons of shame and guilt on them. That is not a biblical response. But churches also underreact by hiding it and just saying they'll no longer be here on the staff with no explanation or restoration. When a person sins and is repentant, the Bible gives us very clear instruction about how we are to respond to that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. We all have a sin nature. We are all capable of that. Verse 2 says, Share each other's burdens, and in the same way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That is really clear, isn't it? It's a warning for us not to act like somehow we're all that, like it can never happen to us. We best not do that. We must not do that. We must obey the word of God and restore our brother to a right relationship with God. So, um, can I just say the obvious thing? Ronnie hadn't died. He's still the same person he was before his failure. So I have set up a uh, restoration plan for Ronnie, and he has agreed to abide by it. Ronnie will still be attending OBC. I think that's very important for Ronnie because he needs to know Jesus forgives him, and so do we. I think it's really important for us, the church, because we, the church, need to see that biblical restoration is a real thing. So he'll be attending. So if you see him coming, don't get on the other side of the hall and act like you don't see him. Treat him like you always would have and let him know you're praying for him. Fourth way we need to respond. Love and help everyone else involved. Obviously, there are other people involved. It's not necessary to say who they are. But please know, we will be just as diligent in helping them as we are helping Ronnie. It would be so wrong for us to give our full attention uh, to Ronnie, uh, but ignore the other people who need help. One of which is completely innocent. He just had other people's sin land on him. We must help them. Fifth way to respond. 
Remember you're in a war. Ephesians 6.10 says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. He's got a strategy to come after you. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Many months ago, when we first started our building project, I got all the staff together. And here's what I said to them. Get ready. Get your guardrails up. Because we are attempting something really big for God. Get your guardrails up. Because you are in ministry, you have a target on you. And we have an enemy who hates us. And he only wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he does. And he's coming after you. Here's what I told him. Especially your marriage. And I've told him that many times since. You know, in my heart of hearts when I said that. I didn't believe it could happen. I should have said it every day. You know how Satan's attacks work? It's not complicated. Here's how he works. He attacks our flesh by tempting us in extremely powerful ways and deceives our minds into believing I can do it at no cost. Satan is the great tempter. <laughs> so you know what he does? He just gets in our head. He just gets between our ears, man. That's where the greatest spiritual battle takes place. And he just tempts us and tempts us. And tempts us. And you know what he does? This is how he works. He tempts us. He knows our weaknesses. He tempts us and he tempts us and he tempts us. And bam! We give in to the temptation. And that fast, the tempter becomes the accuser. You, how could you do that? You're a church leader. You're You're filthy. You're terrible. That's how Satan works. He tempts us. Then he accuses us. This is why the church must restore people who fall into sin. It's so important. We can't let people live in defeat and believe the lie, then accept the accusation from our enemy. Here's the sixth way we respond as a church. Examine and guard your own life. Hmm. We walk into sin when we quit walking with God. 
It's that simple. You think, well, wait a minute. How could a church leader quit walking with God? Happens every day. You say, wait, wait, wait. I was with Ronnie recently, and he helped me so much. How is it possible to do helpful ministry when you're living in sin against God? You know how? We quit listening to the Spirit of God. We just quit listening to the Holy Spirit, but we keep using the gifts the Holy Spirit gave us. That's why you, you've seen it many times in your life. Some pastor in a growing, great church, people getting saved all the time. Then you find out he's been in a multi-year affair. You, you see, that's why the Apostle Paul said, whether in pretense or in truth, the gospel is preached. Because the truth of the gospel is still powerful, even if the person delivering it is living in sin against God. The kind of sin that disqualifies them from preaching the gospel. This is always true. Galatians 5, verse 16. This is such an emphatic statement. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That is an emphatic statement. You can't walk in the Spirit of God. You can't let the Spirit of God guide your life and be doing this mess at the same time. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly Fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, every one of us who are believers, this is true. You have a sin nature, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And those things are banging up against each other all the time. But when we are walking in the Spirit, we don't give in to that sinful nature that wants to control us and destroy us. It is the Holy Spirit in us guiding us, walking with us, that guards our heart and mind to keep us from falling into catastrophe of sin like this. So when we stop walking with God, two things happen. We are completely vulnerable to the desires of our sinful nature. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit guards our heart and mind. And when we slowly, <laughs> silently, step at a time, just drift away from the Holy Spirit, we become vulnerable to all the things our sinful nature desires. Hmm. I... I hear this description from people all the time. I love God. I'm reading my Bible. I'm attending church. But it becomes academic. It becomes impersonal. 
And the Holy Spirit of God in me starts to get more silent because I'm walking away. More silent because I'm walking away. More silent because I'm walking away. Then the voice of the enemy becomes louder and louder and louder. And we give in to the temptation and we think there'll be no cost. (laughs) This has happened to me so many times in my life. More than I can count. Man... I'll get busy or something will be happening. And, you know, and, and Satan knows when to tempt us. And Satan will tempt me. And boom, like a light shade. Poof, like a window shade. Man, God will just remind me of Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, they're going to reap. You can do that, but there's a price. And it's a bitter crop. Thank you, God, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, when you're really walking with God, I'm just telling you, man, the voice of the Holy Spirit is loud and clear. And you get close to that temptation. You get close to things that can can tank your life, man. And it's like, wah, wah. I mean, it's like an alarm going off. The Holy Spirit is saying, stop, run. And it's, it guards us. It keeps us safe. Check your heart. Make sure the voice of the Holy Spirit is loud and clear. Because when Satan whispers in your head, you know, adultery happens in the head long before it happens in the bed. James 1.14 says, powerful verse. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. All kinds of things get destroyed. All of us have these desires. We quit listening to God, they're going to drag us away, and the result's going to be our own sin big time. You know, another thing that happens when we just walk away from God is we are blinded to what our sin costs. It damages individuals, it damages families, it damages church. You guys get this, right? I guarantee you, I guarantee you, All the OBC haters will be out in force this week. I promise you. As believers, especially church leaders, when we don't guard our lives, we give the enemy the weapons he needs to attack the church. On the other hand, When we walk with God, God protects us when we're vulnerable. We get vulnerable in all kinds of ways. You know, look, nobody, nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what? Today would be a great day to commit adultery. It never happens that way. There are almost always a series of things Life things that make us vulnerable. We're vulnerable when we're down and weary. 
But when we're walking with God, we remember something. We remember that, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lift, one who lifts my head. So when you're down and weary and life is hammering you, Satan's going to tempt you. But when you're walking with God, man, the... Those blows just get deflected because thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. And I am down and weary. But but he lifts my head and says, don't you be discouraged. Don't you give in. I am with you. We're vulnerable also when we're overconfident and prideful. I'll never do that. I'm a church leader. Everybody loves me. But when we're walking with God, we remember something. Look at this. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Man, you start thinking, I'm strong. Hey, man, I'm good. And I, I, Are you kidding? Man, you better be careful. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You know what that means? Man, we're all going to be tempted. Everybody gets tempted. Nobody is exempt. But when we're walking with God, man, we get tempted. We get hammered by life. It's hard But the Holy Spirit in us shows us the exit. There's always a way out of sin. Always, every time. You know what that verse means? Nobody, nobody ever gets to make an excuse for their sin. God promised he would give us a way out. We never have to give in to it. Doesn't matter what we're going through. Doesn't matter how bad it is. We never ever have to give in to it God will always make a way out if we're listening to him if we're trusting him man that verse means we never get to make an excuse for our sin years ago there was a guy named Gordon McDonald rock star preacher he was on a nationwide tour because he had just written a book called ordering your private world and he always made the statement it's impossible for me to have an affair because of my relationship with God he started doing a book tour had an affair with his publisher wow when I was uh, a very young preacher I was in seminary this guy named Johnny Hunt, who was one of my hero pastors, came to preach in chapel at the seminary. And I remember him saying this, man. He was talking about how pastors had to be so careful to guard their lives. And I'd never forget him saying this. He, he said, I pray all the time that God would kill me before he had let, ever let me fall into sexual sin and do that to his church. And I remember the time thinking, that's impressive. So I went home and started praying. God, kill me. I mean, Jenny will. You'll use Jenny to do it. 
but God, kill me before you ever let me do that. One of those very clear moments in my life when God speak to me, spoke to me. You, you know what he said? You don't get off that easy. I'm not going to take you out so you don't sin. I've given you the Holy Spirit who lives in you to keep you strong, to stop you from doing that. You don't get off that easy. Two years ago, Johnny Hunt committed adultery. God wasn't going to take him out either. That's not how it works. The last thing I think that we need to respond with is, listen now, to focus more on the hand of God than the sin of people. Isn't that an obvious thing? Do you all agree with this? God's doing all kinds of incredible things here at OBC. you all agree with that? And it's so easy to forget that when a leader has a moral failure, what God's doing. Can I say the obvious thing to you? No one person is greater than the work of God in this church. I've had people say to me, uh, asking me like, are we going to cancel this trip now? Are we going to cancel that thing? The implication is we can't do that without Ronnie. If you're listening, say amen. amen. At OBC, we will never stop doing ministry because of sin. That's the very reason we do ministry, to get people out of it. We'll never do that. Listen to me. This is heart-wrenching. Heart. But God's doing incredible things here. And the destructiveness of sin, the destructiveness of sin will never, ever, ever overpower the hand of God. Hell can't stop the church. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This was a hard, hard week I love Ronnie Bowens Wednesday night was our last night at VBS and I was uh, just standing up against the back wall watching I mean 500 plus kids in there losing their minds and I'm just thinking thank you Lord and then David got them all settled down and he presented the gospel to them. It was amazing. And I'm watching this. Just one of those clear moments when the still, small voice of God said, look at that. Do you know what that is? That's hell not prevailing. At OBC, we're helping people love Jesus and everyone else. And we'll never stop. We'll keep doing it for anybody, anytime, under any circumstances. Let's be the church.
said and done with. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the gift of your church. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for your word that guides us clearly on hard days like this one. And God, would you just remind everybody here, you're not done. You ain't even, you're just getting started, Lord. And I can't wait to see all that's going to happen. Lord, give us the courage to forgive. Give us the wisdom to restore. Lord, and give us passion to serve you in your kingdom, your church. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's stand and worship.